Welcome to episode 363 of Live Happy Now. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and here at Live Happy, we realize that happiness and good mental health go hand in hand. So we've brought the whole crew together to talk about it. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and throughout the month of May, we're going to focus on tools for better mental health. But to kick it off, our team sat down for a conversation about how the past couple of years have affected each of us and some of the ways that we've coped. Joining me for this special episode are Live Happy CEO and co-founder Deborah Heise, e-commerce marketing manager Casey Johnson, web editor Chris Libby, senior marketing manager Brittany Chan, and senior marketing specialist Shane Lee. I hope you enjoy this candid conversation, and be sure to stay tuned until the end of this podcast when we'll tell you about a special deal in the Live Happy store exclusively for listeners. You guys, thank you everyone for coming and joining us for this special episode of Live Happy Now. Thank you for having us. It's always fun to talk with everybody, the whole gang. We don't get to get together in person, but sometimes we can Zoom it, and I know you guys see each other a lot more than I get to see you. But this was a really special talk that we wanted to have because Deb felt really strongly about Mental Health Awareness Month and us doing something on it. So that's how I'd love to start. Like, Deb, why was it so important for you to make sure that we covered this? Because we're doing our entire month is dedicated to mental health awareness. Well, I mean, obviously, mental health ties into happiness. I mean, if you're not healthy, either physically or mentally, it's really going to impede and impact your happiness. And as you know, for us, happiness isn't really about, you know, the emotion happiness. It's about, you know, living a positive life, having, you know, a positive assessment of how you're doing in life. You know, really, it is different than, you know, the podcast name Live Happy doesn't just mean, hey, let's go out and, you know, have ice cream and ride roller coasters and, you know, run free through fields of green and meadows. It's not really what we're about. We really are about you know, that positive emotion part, uh, positive well-being, you know, really is happiness is a high perceived sense of well-being. And what we know is the pandemic has impacted people's perception of their well-being in, you know, significant ways. In fact, uh, Jason Dorsey, who does a, a lot of research on the difference between generations, I forget the name of this company is, but it's a phenomenal speaker and he does just a great job of identifying how boomers are different from Xers and Xers are different from millennials. Millennials are different from Generation Z, but they did some research projects on Generation Z that shows that that group that is at most 25, 26, 27, and at least 10, 11, or 12, that group has more mental health issues than any other group, you know, any other generation has. And a lot of it has to do with what they've missed out because of the pandemic. You know, they've missed graduation, they've missed prom, they've missed going to college, they've missed being in class with their peers, they've missed all of those social things that we depend on. We talk so much on this podcast about how relationships are essential to your mental health and to your happiness. All of that got taken away from a lot of people over the last two years. So I think it's really important that we spend a little time talking about it at Live Happy and on the podcast. Yeah. And for children too, below, let's think, you know, younger than those teenagers and young adults. I had read something about how the level of anxiety in children and also the fact that they've been wearing masks, they didn't get a lot of that interaction. We gained so much interaction from our smiles and our emotions that we convey in our face, and those have been hidden. 
And so there was something I had just read yesterday that was talking about the need for that for us to really address it with our children and start looking for the good in the world because the last two years have been really traumatizing for them. Well, I mean, there's a lot of social anxiety. I mean, I read an article, there's a lot of social anxiety in the under five set. Typically, you know, my three children, it was always play dates, getting together with kids, going to daycare, whatever you could do to get them entertained. But no, I'm kidding. But but it was also, you know, learning how to socialize with other children and other adults. And a lot of kids just haven't even been exposed to that. I mean, they've truly been with their own families on a daily basis. Or even, you know, you get in the first, second, third grade. Can you imagine going to kindergarten on Zoom and having that be your first experience? Or not getting to graduate, you know, the other extent of that, you know, not getting to graduate or start college in person. I mean, there's so much social development that goes on and it's really impacted mental health from Generation Z. I'm sure Jason hasn't studied the generation after that, whatever they're going to be called, but I'm positive it's had just as much impact there. And that's not even talking about those of us who are, you know, used to getting our socialization from our workplace or getting our away time, you know, by going to the movies or going out to eat at restaurants and just how much it's substantially changed who we are and how we live. And even though, you know, many of us, particularly in Texas, we're, you know, back to relative normal, but the relative normal is key. But that still doesn't mean those two years didn't impact our mental health in ways that we may not quite know. And it's certainly no yet. And it certainly impacted the health of our children. You know, one of the interesting facts that Jason was saying was, you know, uh, Generation Xers, our big, I'm a Gen X, so I'm old. Yeah. Our big social defining impact is like the Challenger explosion, right? Millennials, for the most part, it's 9-11. Those things are ancient history to Gen Z. Their definition, their defining point of their childhood, what will bring them together as a generation is COVID. Wow. Yeah. And and as to your point, we're still dealing with the fallout from it. It's not completely gone. And it gets frightening for people when the media starts talking about better expect another surge. We better, you know, they're kind of like preparing us for that. And I hear those conversations. I hear people already being anxious for what's to come instead of being able to just be like, okay, let's kind of take a breath and be in this moment. It's like we're not being given that chance. Well, you know, the media is certainly very good at understanding that what scares us is something we'll watch or pay to read. Mm-hmm. So they invest a lot of time and energy in that. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but a big part of mental health is what you allow to have mind space. What do you put in your brain? So if you're reading those negative news reports, I'm not saying we don't need to know about what's going on in the Ukraine. I'm not saying we don't need to be informed about, you know, what's going on in the pandemic. But it can be overwhelming with the 24-hour news cycle and you get 18 different emails with different headline newses or you click on the app on your phone or you turn on the television or you turn on the radio. If you allow that to be the only thing that's entering your brain, it's going to be very hard to keep a positive mental outlook on the world. Absolutely. And that brings me to a question of I'd love to hear what everyone on the team kind of what has been their go-to to manage the stress that we've all felt in the last couple of years and how you keep your mental health balanced. And I guess the easiest way to do it is alphabetically, because that way we're not showing favorites. So I'm going to ask Brittany, Brittany Chan, what was your kind of go-to solution? So, you know, my go-to solution for, you know, during the pandemic was obviously to just try, try my best to stay as connected as possible, even being at home. So, you know, 
I practice a lot of video chatting, FaceTiming, Zooming with my friends and family. It really almost became like a daily activity for me and something I really looked forward to, you know. And I know there's always this talk about tech and digital and it's all over the place and it's taking over our lives, you know. But in this instance, it really did the opposite. It made me feel more connected and I was able to see my sister and watch, you know, my niece and nephew play. I mean, there would be times we would just stay on the phone. We wouldn't even talk to each other. We would just be there and be able to see what's going on. So yeah, it really, you know, video chatting had a really positive effect on my mood during that time. And also, you know, Deb, you just touched on it just a second ago about choosing to put what's in your mind. Like for me, I really made a conscious decision to not overwhelm myself with information about the pandemic or just the news in general, because there's not a lot of good, good news out there. It seems to be very negative lately. So, you know, I read enough to stay informed. I read enough to make sure I'm, you know, following protocol and doing the right things and all that stuff. But other than that, I stayed away from, you know, the information overload when it came to the news or even social media about the pandemic. I would kind of just like scroll past it. So those are the things I really did to help my mental health during that time. That's really smart. And it's difficult for a lot of people because we know social media is designed to be addictive. And so right. you end up doing that zombie scroll and it's like, oh my God, first of all, you're having a panic attack by the time yeah. <laughs> you know that you're done and it just, you feel horrible. That's a terrific way to do it, to kind of curate what you're going to let down. Yeah, that's, that's a good word for it. I was, you know, self-curating what I was putting into my mind. So that's very cool. Yes. Well, Casey, how about you? Cause I feel like of anyone, you and I probably talked the most about all of this and what was going on. And we talk about, you know, podcast episodes, things like that. And, and so what were some of the things that you were doing? Cause you always maintained such a great upbeat attitude throughout the whole, whatever we were dealing with. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. I certainly didn't feel that way on the inside <laughs> sometimes, but yeah, I mean, just to kind of echo Brittany, I'm kind of in the same situation as she is. My sister has two kids. They're young. So I was very grateful that we were able to video chat and I was able to see them that way. I did find myself being glued to the news and, you know, zombie scrolling, like we were talking about. And so I kind of had to check myself. So I would limit my screen time. I stopped checking my phone first thing in the morning. I even started sleeping with it in the other room, which helped me sleep better. I brought my screen time down, which helped with my anxiety. I even started, I found this like YouTube videos, like 10 minute, like yoga meditation. And it's really hard for me to like sit still for long periods of time. So meditation has always been kind of a challenge for me, but just starting my day off like that, you know, not looking at my phone, getting in touch with like my mind and body, it really just helped me maintain my sanity throughout that whole thing we experienced. Whatever it was, we don't even know what to call it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm blocking it out. Thing, (laughs) that's really good. And it worked because again, you were always like, you've always been very positive and able to like see the good in whatever we had going on. So that's been super cool and super fun to work with on you. And and I'm really interested to hear Chris and then Deb because they have a slightly different perspective because not only were they dealing with their own situation, but they're both parents. And, you know, that just adds another layer of complexity. So, Chris, what about you? You've got two little girls. How are you working this in your house? (laughs) Yes, I do. And that easily takes up a lot of time to where (laughs) you don't have a a lot of time to really think about it. But I will say, continuing what Deb was saying earlier, 
that, you know, the pandemic came out and it changed all of our social behaviors and it created, there were some unintended consequences, although we were, you know, able to still keep things moving, working at home and stuff like that. The unintended consequence was loneliness just skyrocketed. And even if you have a family, you can still find yourself in those times of loneliness. And so like when the kids and everybody else went back and I was still at home, then everything got quiet and then you're just working all day. And then that's when it really sets in and you're not talking to anybody. You're not talking to your friends as much just because of what we've been through the, the past couple of years. And so, you know, of course, pets always are a great option. If you're a pet owner, that's going to reduce your stress. It takes your mind off of things. It keeps you physically active. There's a new report that came out from Penn State actually on this loneliness kind of epidemic that we're in and what you can do to combat that, even if you are at home alone. And that is choosing activities that get you into a flow state. Now, we at Live Happy are familiar with what the flow state is. One of the pioneers of positive psychology, Mihaly Cheek sent me high. I think I said that right. He kind of introduced that theory, but it's basically when you're engaged in these tasks that kind of where time just kind of goes away, they're meaningful, challenging activities during your free time that, you know, it can reduce your loneliness and increase just momentary moments of happiness, but at least it's still happiness. And those are just, you know, any activity that you have a reasonably good skill and it's not too complicated because then you'll lose interest. You just kind of submerge yourself in these activities like playing music, listening to music, even playing video games, you know, different types of sports, writing, reading, painting, just those kind of leisurely activities that really take your mind out of it. I live next to a park. I'm fortunate enough to, I'm able to go outside and kind of take walks in the park and kind of lose myself in that way or shoot baskets, which is a really enjoyable activity for me because, you know, you kind of immerse yourself and just play scenarios in your head and think that you were the greatest basketball player ever. And are you saying you're not? No, not really. Uh. Far from it. But when I'm out there, I am. So that's the good thing. <laughs> but so that those are the kind of things that can alleviate those feelings of loneliness and those feelings of anxiety and even depression. Yeah, reframing that's really important. We have a podcast episode coming up, I believe, in June with Eric Barker, and he had done some research that found that loneliness, like people who are lonely actually spent the same amount of time with other people as people who are not lonely, but it's really your mental state. So that's really interesting. The things that you're talking about are great, like being able to employ some of those techniques so you do feel less lonely. I think that's a great way to handle it. So Deb, you were running a company remotely a couple of companies, and you also then have three active children. So how are you keeping all that balanced? Because obviously your kids were at home, you were at home, everything changed for you. How did you keep that going? Well, first I have to talk about the fact that there were some positive aspects of the pandemic for me, which sounds horrible. And people, you know, the pandemic wasn't positive, but it because I couldn't travel and I'd been traveling a tremendous amount for the past, oh, I don't know, 25 years of my life, to suddenly be in the same time zone for a long period of time. And I got rest for the first time in what I think is forever. So for me, I think it's not just what changed that is difficult, it's also what changed that's positive. I don't ever want to go back to living the way I lived before, where I was basically, you know, in four time zones and and I'm talking about hours away time zones in a month. 
and it makes you a bit crazy and you don't realize what you're missing out on. It's like I'd spend time with the kids. I've always been very engaged when I'm with them. But, you know, getting that, I feel more awake than I felt for 20 years before that. I didn't even realize it. So there was a positive aspect for me. Of course, you know, there also is that timing aspect which changed for me. It used to be because I made specific time to be with my children, being engaged with them while they were there was something that was easy to do. Well, suddenly they're there all the time. I'm there all the time. I have other things I need to do. Setting boundaries became an exercise. Now, I don't want to say in futility, but it was certainly an exercise that took some time to get established. You know, I truly am on the phone. I truly am working. I cannot open up your Gatorade for you right now. You know, there are things that just change. For the kids, it was far more difficult than it was for me. We, you know, initially, those first couple months, you know, we did a lot of puzzles. We took a lot of walks. We have dogs. You know, our golf course never completely shut down. So we'd, you know, go hit a few balls. I mean, they were closed, but they let you play. It was a weird situation. You know, so we always had things to do, but it was very different for the kids. And the kids, when school started in the fall, it certainly was very frustrating for them. We had in-person school starting in the fall of 2021. So our kids have never been not allowed to go to school, but to suddenly have masks, have social distancing and all of that stuff. It was remarkable to me how quickly they adapted. Can I ask you, how did you talk with your children about this? To Because you, of all people, being in the positive psychology space, doing what you do, you're aware of what fear does, what mental impact this would have on them. So how did you talk with your children about what was going on to keep them from, I mean, I know kids that are just terrified. They're terrified of breathing other people's air. You know, they've been very indoctrinated with fear. So how did you explain this to your kids? Well, uh, first of all, I think it helps that we're not by nature a fearful family. We are, you know, well-traveled and somewhat adventurous, you know, from whitewater rafting to hiking off the grid. We're not, you know, my children have a certain element of self-sufficiency and self-reliance already built in just from who we are as people to begin with. So I think that helped. But the second thing was you can't overemphasize enough that the likelihood of something bad happening is very small and you can't dwell on something that might happen. You know, we did talk a little bit about, you know, you drive in a car, you have likelihoods of car wrecks. There's, you know, you fly in a plane, there's, but these things don't happen commonly. So we all get sick. We've all been sick. We've all had the flu. We've all had the norovirus. We've all had, and it's possible we may get this, but for the most part, we need to make sure that we're, you know, doing the hygiene things we need to do and trying not to get it because nobody wants to be sick. If somebody does get sick, no, it's going to happen. It's okay. You just have to tell people it's okay. We don't know if it's going to be okay, but they're kids. Right. Right. You right. want to say, be careful not to hug grandma. She's going to die. I mean, right. those are <laughs> <people>. <laughs> you have to be really careful and put things in perspective. I'd like to learn what Shane did when he was during. Shane is our quiet one always. <laughs> so I'm really interested to hear from him and, and find out what were you doing with the pandemic? Yeah, it was a interesting time. I will say, you know, a lot of the things that y'all spoke of, I employed in my life, you know, like Deb was mentioning, just that feeling of being alone. Like the first year of this, I was essentially living in a you know one-bedroom apartment by myself. And my family, they don't live in Dallas. They live at least four hours away. So really, I just had myself. And just the people I had, I could connect with through my phone. But still, it was you know pretty lonely. And even though my 
living situation has shifted since then. It's still a lot of notes of loneliness, but it's okay because, you know, through that, I've strengthened that feeling of being able to do things for myself. And Chris mentioned this earlier, but going through these flow states, you know, there's a hobby I started doing, it was skateboarding. And I've been doing that for about a year now. You know, it's like a big part of my identity, but there's always a new goal with that. You know, I've learned with perseverance and patience. So that's a fun activity I love to do. And, you know, I'm excited to do it right after this call. <laughs> and, you know, in addition to that, I also just love just going on walks outside, you know, just feeling the warmth of sunlight on your skin. You know, photosynthesis is really hype. Plants, they really get it. So, but I would say, you know, another thing is just, I've really adopted this mindset of just living more in the present, you know, less worrying about the past or not anticipating the future, but really just valuing the time I spend with the people I talk with in this moment. So for example, you know, <laughs> time spent with y'all today is always time well spent. So I'm happy to just be talking with y'all, you know, on top of all of that, I try to unplug as much as possible. You know, if I didn't have to use it for work, I'd probably <laughs> run and be on social media, but I don't feel a need to like post my life on social media because I firm believer in the right people know what I'm doing. But in like Casey said too, I've also employed some time limits on my social apps. So really I don't spend that much time on social media or my phone in general. So yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, I think Dan we all- and I were uh, comparing our screen times last week. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> I did poorly. <laughs> I worked really hard to get my screen time down to where it is. Yeah, not all weeks are winners, but at least I'm mindful of it, at least. Help yeah. me have a good week. I think we all had such a great advantage because of what we do and where we're working. Because we have all these tools, like every week we're talking to someone who is giving us a new tool. And we have this whole background, you know, we've all been at the company for a while. So we have this pretty good backlog of mental resources of how we can handle some of these things. Like we didn't know we were preparing for what we've had, <laughs> but I think it was really helpful. You know, one thing that I did was when the pandemic hit, I was living in an apartment downtown Nashville, loved it, going to concerts all the time. And then it was like, wow, I'm stuck in a box <laughs> and moved out into the country and huge difference in a lot of ways. But, you know, being in nature every day has just been absolutely life changing. And again, that's something we really learned from Live Happy and the stories that we've written about how much it affects us. And I see it. I see it with my animals. I see it with myself. And so, you know, I do feel like this Live Happy has been such a gift for us. And I hope other people have gotten as much from it as we have, because I think it really helped us have the tools to get through the pandemic more easily. It's been so great to talk to you guys. I love when we get together and do this. We'll do it again soon. And one of the things that we know is really good for your mental health is laughter. And so that's why I'm sure Chris Libby has a fantastic dad joke. Locked and loaded. Ready for this moment. Ready to roll. I'm ready. (laughs) I don't know. Did you guys happen to hear that in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month that the United Kingdom is going to officially change their name? To? To what? It's no longer going to be referred to as the UK. Now it will be referred to as you okay? (laughs) (laughs) all right and that's why we ask him to join us round of applause (laughs) listeners that was a solid joke i just want y'all to know my eyes rolled so hard (laughs) 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 
Perfect. Well, thank you all. I, I appreciate you guys giving me your time today and sharing with our listeners everything that, not everything you've learned, but so much that you've learned and how we can get through this together. Thanks, Paula. It was awesome as usual. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. That was the Live Happy Crew talking about mental health. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab for some great stories and resources. And while you're on our site, you can get 20% off anything and everything in the Live Happy store just by using the code SELFLOVE20. That's SELFLOVE20. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.